there's some really forward-thinking people within our national forest estate, Forestry Commission Scotland, as they were then, who said, well, how about this idea of creating a network of trail centres across the south of Scotland? It means people can do multi-day stays and stay and visit all of these centres over a number of days and we'll get the economic return from that. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Giving Tuesdays today, November 29th, 2022. Episode 97, which was released last week, is one example of how you can triple your donation to trails thanks to the Portage Health Foundation and SRAM partnering with the Copper Harbor Trails Club. There are many other trail organizations with a similar mission, most of which operate off of donation and financial partnerships. Today is a great day to give back to those who help us enjoy riding our bikes on trails. Episode 99 features Graham McLean, the head of developing mountain biking in Scotland. Scotland, in many ways, is a world leader for mountain biking, from hosting world-class events to having world-class trails and trail communities. But they are not stopping there. Developing mountain biking in Scotland is on a mission, and Graham is here to tell you all about that. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts, such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, along with taking Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped a lot more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all of the sharing, commenting, and taking of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Graham McLean. Box, box. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Graham McLean, the head of developing mountain biking in Scotland. How's it going today, Graham? Good, thanks, Josh. Yeah, good, man. Good, yeah. You guys have some incredible things going on there. It was I've I've been paying attention to what's been going on in Scotland, you know, because you have EWS and a bunch of other stuff. But what really captured my attention was the Can Mountain Biking Help with Mental Health Issues video. And I saw that this summer, and that was like. That was the moment that I knew I had to reach out to you and really get the backstory and everything you're doing, not just that, but it was really, it's, it's incredible to see that you're diving into this with a, like a fully inclusive approach with mountain biking and what you can do for your community. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're really proud of our, our trail therapy program as well. Actually, it's, it started off with some quite small beginnings and, um, it's uh, amazing to see the impact that that's having as well, but it's, yeah. And, and it is just one part of a kind of a fairly holistic approach that I think we have in Scotland that that, that's, that makes it fairly unique, I think, across the globe um, in terms of what we're looking at doing and how we look to pull it together um, as well and how we look to pull together a, a, a real mixture of things as well. So not just um, not just health things as well, but physical and mental health things, but also the trails work and bringing in our tourism and our destinations and also kind of product companies and innovation um, al- along with the sport as well. So we're really trying to bring a lot of things together so that any money that's that's invested in mountain biking really has the sort of maximum impact for 
Scotland and, and, and Scottish people. Well, let's go into your backstory and then we'll dig into developing mountain biking in Scotland. But let's get, let's kind of see how you or what you did to lead you to where you are now as being the head of this whole, whole thing. Yeah. Uh, aye. <laughs> Interesting, Josh. Yeah. <clears throat> I guess um, I kind of like a lot of kids of the 80s kind of um, was on bikes and then mountain bikes started to come into our range in the mid 80s and was really excited by the fact we could get a bike that I didn't have to take to my dad to fix every time I kind of tried to jump off a curb or, or or jump off a little pallet made jump in the in the middle of the street uh, and was really excited about that and kind of spent kind of late 80s and 90s never racing or anything like that. I had friends that got into that scene and got into to, to things there but really kind of using bikes to just play in the neighborhoods discover new places go for adventures close to where we live go into the hills, get lost in bogs, um, have fun. And, and, and that was really what we, what I did kind of through, through the kind of mid-80s and 90s. I, I then kind of, I guess bikes sort of dropped out my life a little bit as we went to university and, and, and did a bit of that um, thing as well. And actually kind of um, was more called to the hills for snowboarding as well. So I ended up becoming a snowboard instructor and actually did a couple of seasons, one in Colorado and two over in California. Um, as as a snowboard instructor, um, and, and did that kind of living out a suitcase though had its had its limits. Um, and I came back to to Scotland and ended up helping to run a really small business in a small town selling uh, surf skates and snowboards. And um, it was around that time that the Seven Stains developments um, were really starting across the south of Scotland, and more trail centres were popping up across Scotland. And a bunch of friends who were like, "We need to get back on bikes." and Actually, at the time, I was a bit like, I don't know, I've got enough money spent on snowboards and surfboards and, and other things. I'm not sure I can afford another, another really, <laughs> um, what I consider to be a wee bit of an expensive outdoor hobby as well. And, and they convinced, my friends convinced me to go down to Glentress, um, one of the seven stains uh, over a weekend. And I kind of went along and, and after riding the trails for a day, I was straight onto the internet with a 0% finance deal. And yeah. That was me back on bikes and fully into it um, there as well. Um, just after that as well, I, I ended up getting a job uh, moving across the country and away from my kind of friends and, and, and girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, and working within schools and, and schools and sort of um, in one of Scotland's kind of fairly big cities in, in Dundee, and which is kind of uh, it's a sort of um, city that's that's by the river and by the sea in one respects, and then has kind of really good access to hills out the other side of it as well. And ended up just because of sort of my own mountain biking just became a natural thing to do a lot of and go out and discover down the tracks and trails round about the city. I was run about and on the trails within the parks and in and, and the city. And also kind of um, ended up working in schools and, and really kind of taking that passion that I was getting going out by myself to then want to pass it on to others. And ended up setting up a lot of school clubs and looking to both to teach myself, develop myself into being a mountain bike leader um, so I could take the groups out and then also working with teachers and other people and training them up so that they could continue the clubs and grow the clubs and working with college and university students to do the same. So that was really exciting and uh, I really enjoyed that actually part of that, really seeing that enjoyment that you can have of sharing mountain biking with others and getting more kids into and things. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Then came the opportunity um, for a job to come up with Scottish Cycling and um, to look at sort of developing mountain biking uh, nationally across Scotland and um, through a strategic framework which they which they were they were looking to launch. I guess kind of fancied that opportunity. I kind of yeah 
just just kind of loved the sport, felt I had something to give into that, and was probably a bit naive actually in terms of the whole scene. I was never really part of the racing scene or anything as well, and I really wasn't part of the whole mountain bike scene in a lot of ways. Just somebody who who got a lot from the trails and was involved in setting things up to get things to happen, um, and probably come back into why that matters later. And then that's how they kind of yeah I ended up getting into this job. So. Let's kind of get the backstory on the setup of developing mountain biking in Scotland and why Scotland and specifically you are embracing mountain biking so much as pretty much a national activity. Yeah. I mean, I think um, just as a sort of my own kind of personal story there sort of dovetails a bit into how mountain biking is and seen and how it is in Scotland as well. I mean, and lots of various touch points through that story um, as well come into it. So, I mean, Scotland's always had a, um, you know, kind of growing up, um, my dad's quite a keen hill walker as well and used to go out and walk the hills with him. And he'd always sort of talk to us about that Scotland doesn't have a trespassing law and, you know, you just need to consider where you're going in this place, but it's your country, it's your land, you've got every right to access it, but just consider how you're doing that and not upsetting anyone through the process. And so, so we always had a good attitude to getting out into the countryside and having good access to do that. And, you know, that kind of, in the mid-80s, when I was talking about me and my son, friends going and discovering our hills near about where we live and what we're doing, I think Scotland had a real natural place for bikes, mountain bikes. They made a lot of sense. I mean, people have been accessing some of our more remote, remote, uh, remote hills, called Monroe's or bigger ones, for numbers of years, and people have been accessing them with bikes for a number of years. But when mountain bikes really hit, they made a lot of sense to Scotland. People could use them. They could go and discover stuff. And do things. So, so we had, we had a lot of people took to mountain bikes immediately within Scotland, and and from that as well, we we, we built trails a lot in Scotland as well, both from officially and, and unofficially, you know, right through through the eighties and into the nineties, and and I mentioned Glen Tress earlier on as well. It was one of the first places to actually get some some money into the the process of building trails and to get some some trails funded, um, and there's trails built. In the late 1990s here, which the idea is actually to to build trails to stop people building trails without permission, was to put trails in that were going to be better to ride, so more people would come and ride them. Um, and, and they really worked as well. Like those trails, that trails um, really worked and they really brought a lot of people in and there was something growing in that as well. And then, then what happened, I guess, was that there was a bit of some pioneering work happened down in Wales as well, um, down at Cody Brennan. Guy Daffy Davis set up kind of first trail centre, which was really a kind of concept of almost taking a ski centre idea and applying it to mountain biking. So you'd have graded trails, you'd have a base station where you'd have cafes, bike shops, other things going on, and really sort of taking us one where there's some of the barriers to mountain biking were removed by creating a kind of package solution to mountain biking. And and why that mattered was that when we had a a, a sort of disaster to our countryside um, in the early 2000s um, when foot and mouth disease hit the south of Scotland and the north of England and really shut our countryside down. So people had no access to walk the hills, they had no access to get out on bikes or do everything. What we found is that uh, the two industries collapsed, agriculture collapsed because of, because of the um, the effect on, on, on animals with foot and mouth disease and also tourism collapsed because the countryside is such a valuable asset for tourists. And the EU put a call out to say, can we have ideas and innovative ideas to regenerate the economy back into this? So 
There's some really forward-thinking people within our National Forest Estate, Forestry Commission Scotland, as they were then, who said, well, how about this idea of creating a network of trail centres across the south of Scotland? It means people can do multi-day stays and stay and visit all of these centres over a number of days and we'll get the economic return from that. And that idea was then formed into the Seven Stains Trail Centres. Um, so that ties into my story of getting back into bikes. I was one of the people that then um, was um, benefited from those trails getting put in, and that reunited my love back into bikes. Um, and I think a lot of other people in Scotland and the UK, and possibly wider, those centres there. And they were seen as a massive success, and, and a, a massive success for rural regeneration. And that success was wanting to be continued into other areas of Scotland. And through most of our rural areas in Scotland, then had a trail centre built within a forest that people were riding at and, and the National Forest Estate thought was maybe a good place for it. Then what happened, it was a great, great wave of success and a real high in Scottish mountain biking. Then what happened, though, was that some of the things started to fall apart a little bit within that. There wasn't really a business model or sustainable business model, certainly, behind how these trails were going to be maintained, how they were going to be kept at the grade that they could have been at. Um, there was the fear of litigation and lawsuits come into the trails as well. But at the same time, there was more and more pressure from enthusiasts to do more of these, to have them within local forests and to have them um, in different parts of the country. And, and forestry ended up feeling a bit isolated in developing the sport. And they wanted, they wanted to bring national agencies and other people together to look at that. Because we had a really quite... Um, we were in a place where it was it was quite confrontational and kind of there was people getting really felt that more should be happening and doing it. And forestry were saying we've actually done enough with this. So forestry pulled together Scottish government, all the national agencies and all the cycling organisations said, well, what is this thing and how do we make more of it to do with it um, as well? So we did a consultation exercise and created a national strategic framework and then brought in a person and half an administrator um, in the post for initially three years in December 2009, so nearly 13 years ago now, um, to then take that strategic framework and then push things forward. So that's how, that's the sort of, um, you know, Development in Scotland was, was then created to then implement that strategic framework. You talked about having, like, there basically is no trespassing, it's common land and people, you know, people can go around the countryside. How is that? continuing to go in terms of access has there been any issues with that because that's obviously quite a bit different than what we deal with here in the states yeah it's, it's actually gone, gone the other way as well like that there was always a sort of presumed knowledge of access within scotland in, in, in scotland we, we, we're part of a union across the uk um, um as well and when we got our scottish parliament so we have a sort of devolved parliament in scotland when it was formed in 1999, one of its first things it looked at was land reform and how we could, you know, um, how we could look at how our land is used and people's access to it. And in 2003, um, we actually introduced the Land Reform Act in Scotland, which actually enshrined in law that all users had a right to um, responsibly access land across Scotland. And that included on foot, um, on horse and by bike as well. So we we actually have it written into law that you have that those access rights and they apply to all user groups, which is a fantastic piece of legislation as well. And, and it's actually that's there'll be twenty years celebrating of it um, coming up um, next year, and, and and that's something we'll you know we'll certainly develop in Scotland look to make a big deal of because it's it is a fairly unique thing, and it's a 
it's a fairly special thing that we have and we really can't take for granted as well because it's it's there's a lot of people worked really hard to get those rights within law um as well but it's, it's not a given that it'll be there forever but it's it's a really special thing that we have and makes being able to have adventures on bike in Scotland really really special because you can really look out your window and or look at a map and go where can I go you know where where would I plot where 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 would be amazing let's go and discover that quite often it isn't always amazing you'll end up in a bog or you'll end up somewhere but uh, um, quite often you'll have even during those times you'll end up in some pretty special places and with special views and as long as you've considered what might be happening when you do that so you know, am I going to be upsetting any land management laws? Is there any environment I need to consider with that? How am I going to interact with other people with a smile and a hello? That Then you have the right to be there as well. So it's a pretty special thing. How has that gone then with, or as professional mountain bike trail building and just trail, the trail building industry in general, how has that gone hand in hand with your access in terms of planning, building and designing what's there and maybe retrofitting or modernizing, you know, what is, what is old and maybe was social at one point, not officially designed or built. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely sort of two things going on with, with, with that. I think as well, there's the sort of purpose built mountain bike trail network, um, which I think what we had is through that sort of trail center time as well, we had a lot of really innovative work happened in that kind of 2002 through to about 2008, kind of time there was a lot of centers getting built with some fairly long kilometers of trails getting put into place and through that time as well it was a you know it's a fairly new discipline even globally that the sort of purpose-built trail networks and there was a lot of fantastic trails and innovations put in in scotland uh both in terms of drainage which occasionally it rains in scotland um so we need to take care of our drainage and water management within it and some of the techniques they're using there build on some of the things that were coming through from Emba at that time as well. And and also learned a lot from a lot of people who were working in upland path environments as well. And they were able to take that knowledge and then apply it to their own bike knowledge and put them into it. So we're really pushing the boundaries of of where um mountain bike and trail building has gone. So I think that was a big period for us and through through trail building and building a lot of kilometers. What actually happened then as well was that uh, the centres, there's really kind of a move away from are, are they sustainable? Are they doing, are, are they the right model for Scotland? Um, and what was a real drive through the early years of development in Scotland was to actually, let's leave the centres just now. Let's see if we can get a better sure footing with them. But can we move into creating more trails close to where people live? And can we create more areas where we can get more people within our cities to really get the bug of it and then go into our rural areas to then spend their weekends at and things as well. So we actually, there was a lot of move from our trail builders from building quite a large, long kilometers of trails and a lot of ones into how we can compact them in and how we can create a lot of trails in some fairly precious land close to in and around cities as well. So that migrated into that. The other side of that trail building thing as well, I think that, that's come in and, and is interesting in Scotland and I'm not sure we've completely nailed yet, but it certainly had some really good conversations with as well and discussions with is how we adapt our upland, particularly our upland path network to, to work with bikes as well. You know, it's something that I think we're still innovating in and we're still discovering and still looking at how we can progress that. And it's, it's still a really interesting space that as well. And we've seen some really good examples of those path networks over the last few years of really starting to get to the point where they really accept bikes and do it, but still retain the character of upland paths as well. 
so it doesn't become a, a, a you know it's not a bike park it's not a it's not a trail center it's an upland pass so you should and, and anyone who uses that still wants to have that character come through with it and we're seeing some more and more pass being built that can sustain bikes on it but also retain that character of mountain pass a couple of years ago i was fortunate to be able to meet joey klein from imba and take him for a ride where i live here in lacrosse wisconsin and he had mentioned to me when we were just talking that he took a trip to scotland and that a lot of your at least at the trail centers a lot of your trails were directional is that something you guys are still going with and how have you found success with directional trails yeah uh, trail centers absolutely i think they really work i mean the, the, the trail centers and especially our most popular ones are, are so busy that we really couldn't do we, we, we would i think we would end up with certainly more more user conflict than would be than would be beneficial or, or would it would definitely detract from it if we if we didn't have it i think our trail centers as well one of the advantages of that is that you have that peace of mind from a lot of different ways as well so you you have the the peace of mind of knowing that you're following arrows um, and it's a slightly manufactured experience, you know, it's a sort of climbing wall of mountain biking to a way, but it takes up that barrier of, for a lot of people, um, and myself when I first started as well, it was really good to know that you were at the, if you were on a trail, that you knew that it was going to hold within that grade, you knew you had the signage to put you in the right places, you knew you wouldn't be meeting somebody riding up the trail in the other way, through a blind way, so you could kind of let yourself off the brakes and do it, or it's unlikely you'd have people doing it, so you you can... You can do you can do those ways. So I think you know having directional trails has really helped that and helped that experience as well. That's not the case in all places though. As well, I think it's good that we have that ability to be able to get out into the countryside and the wilderness and do that. I mean, you're riding there. You do just need to consider your kind of responsibilities and the fact that it might be likely that somebody's coming the other way and doing that. So you have to adjust your riding style when you're not within those contained environments. Yeah, for sure. So when I was doing my research for this, you guys kind of have four pillars or four areas that you dive into. It's trails, health, destinations, and innovation, which you kind of already touched on as well. And we've already hit trails quite a bit. Is there anything on the trails side that you'd like to add before we move on to the health and destinations and innovation? Yeah. I mean, I think I think um, what's certainly interesting as well is that I think we went through that period as well where we had trail centers and then we had trails close to home as well. And and, and now we're actually entering a kind of new phase, I think, where where we've kind of got a range of really exciting strategic projects that Development Scotland is working with a range of partners to deliver. And these will be ones where we're looking to invest or we're looking to support the investment into trail centres, where it's going to be projects which are looking at probably about £500,000, which is probably the equivalent in dollars these days, or, or plus that. Um, to multi-million pound ones. So, so they're really exciting to see that level of investment coming back into the sport as well. And um, we you know, kind of probably the biggest level of investment we've had and certainly the biggest chunks of investment we've had since that sort of mid-2000s bits as well. It's been smaller scale, but beneficial, but smaller scale um, up till now. I, I think the other thing in, trail, in trails that's happening that's, that's super interesting in Scotland and really kind of probably leading the way in some ways, certainly in, in Europe we are as well, is that we've had a number of enthusiasts kind of building trails themselves throughout the, the, the 2010s and actually kind of landowners and things raised up the issue with that that they had and, and um, for you know social reasons, other users, the environment, they really know where we're building and what wildlife or, or plants and faunas were, were affecting. Um, and, and the economics as well from the landowners, what, where's the liability from them? So they raised up some really valid concerns 
We fought back at that and said these trails are super valuable, though. They bring so many benefits for riders, the variety of trails that, you know, getting our, our best riders to ride on them, keeping participation in the sports. You've got things that are harder to move towards. And it was really, it's a really nice compromise. We were actually working a lot with trails associations to then look to manage those trails and work with the landowners to make sure that those trails are, are better managed, they're improved, they, they still provide amazing riding experience for riders, but the, the landowners can mitigate those concerns that they have around them as well. We started off, I think, with 2016 or about four different trails association groups in, in the country. And through a process of, of one, us developing with our, our National Access Forum, a piece of guidance, and two, our support, and three, possibly most importantly, the, the real drive from the mountain bike community behind this, as we've now ended up with 20 different trails associations across the whole of Scotland, which is super exciting to see mountain biking just, just moving towards a place where the, there's good responsible dialogue between mountain bikers and landowners, and that, and that enables us to have both our you know, strategic trail century trails um, and, and possibly bike parks into the future, which will provide some experience. And then we got our trails associations managing what was a fairly wild trail network. And then we've got our, our kind of upland paths and our adventure riding and bike packing and our access rights and other thing there, which just gives us that huge variety, which is super exciting in Scotland. Yeah. And I suppose that really helps with you know, you talked about drainage and stuff and kind of standardizing some things just to keep things more, I guess you could use the word sustainable, you know, in terms of like reducing maintenance and keeping things really good riding. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think as well, what's interesting with them as well, a lot of the trails that people are, are certainly wanting to ride at are higher end. They are looking for steeper, more four-line trails that will challenge them. They'll be tight, tight through trees, tight through corridors, built in largely in plantation forests and it's interesting because I, I think having groups look after those trails and look after them and providing the numbers don't go much beyond it and some of the areas are getting more and much more popular for these types of trails having groups having a look at them I, I think really improves the sustainability of them and helps manage them without needing for us to completely compromise within that user experience as well um, I, I liked one of the quotes that we had. Uh, I was over at the Sustainable Trails Conference in uh, Bentonville. Uh, we were talking just before the podcast about that, and one of the quotes they had there as well is that sustainability isn't a isn't a no or a yes. It's a sliding scale within that as well. And I think actually, when you're sliding that scale along, along, and you have some of those steeper falling trails, if they're in the right areas, the right soil conditions as well. It doesn't mean they're unsustainable. It just means that they perhaps need more maintenance. And that's where you'll be taking that sliding scale and moving that up to. Yeah, it's definitely a a gray area like most things in life, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I I think that, you know, you can put in a a really solid uh, bit of trail that can be built to a really high sort of engineered spec almost as well. But if it's got lots of users, lots of weather contend with and very little maintenance, it's not going to be that sustainable either. So it's kind of, to me, it's like all of these things are definitely on a sliding scale and it's just trying to do the right things to make sure that your scale is at the right level. Nobody will ever get that totally perfect, but as long as you've got your the user experiences are, are, are good and right and the right trails in the right place and managed by the right people, then I think you've got your best chance of hitting it right within the scale. Yeah. And you've talked about diversity of trail experiences quite a bit. And I could imagine just like here that if you don't offer those steeper 
techier trails, people are going to go build them anyways. And so you kind of want to mitigate that and offer the experience in a responsible way. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think, I think what we've had is that's actually what we've had is that people have just gone and built them, to be honest. Like it's not, it, it hasn't came through a kind of managed process as well. It's, it's definitely people have just gone and done that. And, and I think what we're doing is sort of retrofitting a management into that at the moment. I do see into the future though, that the model will change in that. And that will change looking as to have planned trail networks that actually look at where trails associations move from just adopting trails that people built without permission before um, to a place where the trails associations are working with landowners and identifying corridors to build trails um, into the future. So I think that's the next evolution of trails, of trails associations, to be honest. Well, let's move into the into your health side of things. You know, we had mentioned right in the opening of this that you guys released a movie, Can Mountain Biking Help With Mental Health Issues? Let's talk about why you dove into that and how that is going. Because I personally, I rely on my mountain bike and I rely on trails for that avenue so much in life. Like I've had to, you know, I've seen therapists and done all that stuff. And it's like, it comes back to the mountain bike, for me at least, being a more important, more important tool that I can use when I need to use it and not schedule it, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's actually, in some ways, that's how the, the whole of the kind of trail therapy program actually came about. I, I went over to an Ember Europe conference. It was back in 2016, 17, somewhere around that time. And there was a presentation just on how mountain biking and mental health and working through the kind of a, a general survey of mountain bikers. And, you know, it was like, does mountain biking make, are they, are, you, are we generally, do mountain bikers suffer worse or better mental health than, than the general population? And the answer was no, not really. Mountain bikers are just part of the general population. Um, but it's around about 25% of mountain bikers do experience mental ill health. But of those 25%, 90% of those use mountain biking as a way of helping them regulate their mental health and helping to do it. So I think as you described there. So I found that super interesting. I could totally identify with that myself and, and with, with friends I had as well. So what I was quite interested as well, well, if that's the case there, can we? what happens if we introduce mountain biking into, um, into groups who are working with people who have mental ill health? And if we were to introduce that into them, would that then make a difference to them? And um, so I came back from that conference a little bit inspired and I'd already done a bit of groundwork on this and we, we really weren't seeing enough of this work as well. Quite often our role within Development Scotland is to, to try and support others to do things and then we can get something to happen, walk away, and then they can keep it going and we can then do more things. But we really weren't seeing much happen within this space. And I thought, well, there's maybe an opportunity to do something in this. And we had some good partnerships starting to form and we were based at Glentress and in the Scottish borders uh, with the NHS team within the area. Um, which is combined with the council, uh, our local authority area as well, um, and their social care partnership. And we've got a really good re relationship going with Edinburgh Napier University as well. And together we thought, actually, there's a pilot in here. And I thought, actually, do you know what I could probably do with a, a morning away from my laptop and meetings and um, sort of strategically growing sport and things to, to look at, can, can we run a programme for six weeks and would it make a difference? Um, so we ran that program for six weeks and it was an, an absolute joy to be a part of it, to be honest. It was, it was really inspiring to, to really see firsthand the difference that that was making um, to people's lives and, and to really see that, um, you know, people started off, 
really not integrated as a group. They weren't really speaking. It was, there was a lot of uh, different barriers they need to overcome to be as part of the group, even, you know, journeying to the venue, you know, getting on the bus to get there and the things. We, we actually had, the group started at half past nine in the morning when one participant had to leave their house at 6 a.m. to to get here and to, to get there because the amount of bus, the, the bus connections they had to take. But the difference it was making was, was, was really inspiring when you see them, just the, the smile on people's faces, the joy, the feeling of wind in their hair, the takeaways, the buzz that they were getting, both kind of from the trail and the mountain bike experience and to that communal experience, just that connections that were forming as being part of a group uh, and the enjoyment of that. And, and actually after the sessions, as a leader myself, like I was buzzing, like really buzzing. Um, about their experience as well. It, was, it wasn't just a, wasn't just them having a good time. I was really enjoying it as well. But there's a lot, and I thought there's a lot more we can do with this as well. So really keen to expand that program. And I managed to bring in a, um, a, a really amazing individual, uh, Dr. Christine Fox, who'd been working in mountain bike leadership and got her in a, for a day in the week, funded by kind of the core of Scottish Cycling to see if we can really expand this and, and, and take this program forward. And it's been, been amazing we've managed to find funding for the, like the last two years from a variety of sources within scotland so nature scott and some sort of local community mental health and well-being funding um and trek as well have come in and helped sponsor it and that program's now gone from strength to strength christine's now managing paul who's a leader within it we're now working in different areas across scotland and uh, there's still more we can do with that and i think there's more that can be expanded within it but it's amazing to see the impact that that's having yeah, that's awesome too that you have industry support through Trek. I have to, I like plugging Trek because Trek is a Wisconsin-based company. Yeah, I mean they've been fantastic to work with. They're just, 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 just so chill. They just love what's happening within it. They, they definitely see it. They, they, they get it. That they've just been a, a, a really great supporter of it as well. And it, it is great, like you say, to see industry um, investing in this as well. And I, I think it's something that, you know. Um, Trek doing it's amazing. Love to see more industry getting it. It's def, you know, we, we just did a study on e-bikes as well, um, recently as well, uh, which is just going to come out in the next couple of weeks, uh, working with British Cycling and a whole range of other partners. But what came from that was actually one of the main reasons people ride their bikes is for their own mental health, their physical and their mental health. It seems to make so much sense, but it's definitely doesn't feature a lot within our market and a promotion of it as well. So I think, you know, the more these programs are, you know, it's, it's working with people who have mental ill health, so it's really showing quite And in the spectrum of, of people, it's showing kind of fairly small number of people within that. But it actually is, it's actually the, the ethos of that expands right across the mountain bike community and, and, and people who ride bikes. How has the uh, feedback from the video been since you released that? Because that, you know, that got a bunch of coverage. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I think, I think, we, we, I think the one that you're referring to there is is looking at, I think that was from our initial pilot, to be honest. So I think that, that was one there. And what we've seen is from that one, there was huge global interest from it there as well. Um, another video we've got as well is actually on the kind of latest iteration of, of where we are. It's called, it's called Recovery. And it actually features a, a, a participant on the program, um, James, who was an inpatient um, w- within a mental health hospital. And through bikes uh, and his therapeutic regime has really helped them through the whole recovery process. And now James is actually going on to being a leader within that program. So he's now working with the, with the mental health practitioners to then actually deliver mountain biking to other inpatients as well. And, and he has that sort of peer-to-peer support, which comes from it. Um, and that video recovery is, is super inspiring as well. And 
I'll make sure you have a link that you can pop in the podcast notes for that. But between that journey as well, and that, that's something we're really keen on developing more and more as well. Again, all of these things are just adding up to, there's been a lot of profile from these things, which is, which is great and fantastic. And I think there's a real global interest in what we're trying to do with it. And we're really keen to see how we can expand that and do that as well and, and help use our knowledge. And um, we're actually at the moment undertaking a bit of research within Renepa University um, on the impact of that as well. well. We'll be disseminating that and sharing that with everyone as well so that more of these programs can be set up globally and we've got an evidence base to build on. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on to destinations. You know, you uh, you just had a, I think it was just this week, you had a workshop and you're working on creating longer stays and, and having more world-class events in Scotland. Let's talk about how that dovetails into all of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mountain biking is a, a big economic contributor um, to Scotland, both through tourism and through the product, mountain bike products that are developed in Scotland. So into the tourism side of things as well, it's what we've done and you know, we've been working on, on this and developing up the kind of welcome that mountain bikers get in places. So they're not just welcoming the trails, they're welcoming the towns and the hotels and the cafes and the restaurants and trying to get that the whole ecosystem or supply chain right for mountain bikers so they really feel that they're welcome within a place. What we've actually did within our last strategy and destinations as well, our 2019-25 season, strategy is we established sort of different tiers to our destinations. So we have premier destinations, which we think are our, our best ones. We have priorities, which is ones that are really strong in a lot of areas, but it's got some, some work to do. And then we've got emerging destinations to come through from that as well. So within that, we're trying to get everything right within those places so that mountain bikers ideally can actually come be based within the place for you know, any length of time that they really want to, but certainly a week, at least a week to 10 days, can we come be based and have all the trails they want to ride, have amazing food to eat, feel welcome, be able to secure the bikes safely um, and, and just have great experiences within that. Um, and part of that as well is obviously attracting world-class events and, and domestic events and festivals that then can then showcase those destinations to people as well. And it's, it's amazing we've had the World Cup um, been up in Fort William for a number of years. The last few years, we've had the Enduro World Series, uh, which is amazing. And, and then next year, it's super exciting because we're hosting the uh, Mountain Bike World Championships in all, all disciplines of cycling, uh, XC and Downhill in our two premier destinations of Fort William um, and the Tweed Valley as well. Yeah, that should be awesome. Yeah, how has the business side of things, like business owners and that, uh, re- been receiving this in terms of having, you know, mountain bikers come in and stay at, you know, and visit their shops and eat their food and do all the things that you do as a tourist. Yeah, I mean, really well. I mean, it's, it's not it isn't, it's not consistent right across the whole of the country by any means, but I mean, certainly within, you know, like, like so where the workshop was uh, yesterday in the Tweed Valley, the welcome here is becoming better and better every year. Every year, businesses are getting better at it. Our high streets are becoming, um, the two towns, Peebles and Elethan, are increasingly more bike-orientated and friendly and got really good products that mountain bikers like and enjoy. You know, good good cake, good coffee, good beer, good food. We've got secure bike storage going into more and more places. We, we run a sort of a, a grant scheme as well, which we, we apply for funding from, from regional sort of economic development funds. That helps us put people in place to support these things to happen. And then part of that is we can then give grants to businesses to, to put in secure bike storage. All of those things are just helping to add to the welcome that we've got within places as well. 
and and we've been doing that as well. We've done it in the Tweed Valley. We've got a, a Highland coordinator who's working across Fort William, the Cairngorms with Aviemore in it, the North Highlands really important destinations. And we're doing amazing work as well in one of our emerging destinations, which to be honest, is probably going to lose the title emerging because it's going gone so far over the last three, four years up in Aberdeenshire. And, and it, what Will and Anna have helped the community and the businesses doing that area is phenomenal as well. So we're building a really number of strong, strong destinations in Scotland that are amazing for us to ride in Scotland. It's amazing for hopefully UK and European and US visitors to all come over. And, I, you know, I, I would hope and think that we've got a great welcome if you do come over. Yeah. So what's, what is uh, making that latest one go from emerging to being a, like a long-term destination so quickly? What do you attribute that to? A few things. I think that what we've got in, in that area there is, was, it was, uh, Aberdeenshire really was probably our forgotten area when I mentioned earlier on that we had trail centres spread across the whole of Scotland. It didn't happen in that area there. They were, they were really a kind of neglected area within Scottish mountain biking, but they had a really strong mountain bike community as well. Um, there are a couple of good developments happening. Um, uh, certainly at a local level, with some really nice trails being born in, in a place called the Boyne and in Tarland, an initial development happen. However, we knew that there was more potential within that area. We went in and we started working with the community within that area. And then we were able to get some funding through the EU um, and our enterprise agency. And we brought in a, a regional level coordinator. And and, and I think he, he's done a, an amazing job, Will Clark, of bringing together the community bringing together businesses and also strengthening our, the partnerships at a local uh, governmental level. That combination of getting all three of those working well and working together um, means that um, what we've been able to do is then secure more investment into the area. Um, we've been able to use the strength within the community to set up, there's just actually one Best Trails Association in Scotland award, uh, our awards night uh, last week. Um, we've just got our, our a million pound investment into the uh, our trail centre to set up their first regional level trail centre. And the area buzzes with bikes as well. There's a real feeling of buzz within the bikes and within the business community within it. So it's really starting to raise up and the events that they're putting on, the clubs, the participation levels, it's all grown in a really good holistic way and with sort of community at its heart as well. Though, Let's go into innovation because it sounds like all of this is innovation. Yeah, yeah, you know that that has been mentioned, and it, and it probably is. I think there is there's innovation through everything we do. I guess we we were looking for a term though that described probably the work that we do with with, with product companies as well, in particular, and doing things. And it's it's been a really interesting arc of what we've been working on with that as well, because as I said, when I came in and when I actually came into post and development in Scotland in, in kind of two thousand nine, two thousand ten. There's a real lack of energy to do a lot of things. There was no trails being planned. There was, but what there was was that was a couple of projects that really sparked an interest as well. One was how come you look at a trail centre, a car park, and there's there's you know, li- literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds worth of gear within that within that car park. It's like, well, you know, with the exception perhaps Ventura, how come not more of it Scottish? How come we've not got any you know established bike brands? How come where can we get more and more traction into this space? And, We've worked over a number of years and Edinburgh Napier University came in as well as a sort of, as an academic partner with, within the project and really grasped this as well. And what they've done as well is they were able to lead the development of um, a project called the Mountain Bike Centre of Scotland, which brought in a business development executive to support those businesses uh, and to really help create a link between academia 
and product development and try and use the two of those to really help and inspire businesses to move forward. We also went through a wee process of, of taking businesses out to Eurobike, a big trade show, for a few years and really showcasing them to the world as well. All of that kind of has led as well to us building up a base and, and a, a range of connections, both in Scotland, the UK and Europe. Um, and Edinburgh Napier University now sit on the Cycling Industries Europe Innovation Panel and are really kind of one of the founding members of that. And what that has enabled us to do is, is we're just in the process of working with our, our regional economic development team in South of Scotland Enterprise um, and Edinburgh Napier University to create the world's first mountain biking innovation centre um, in the Tweed Valley and in Ethan. And that'll be a place where brands and companies can directly uh, test people and equipment, both on in a centre and on the trail, and have those results being communicated back within them. It's actually super exciting to see the lab and intelligence that companies will be able to access from that centre as we move towards it getting built over the next few years. It's, it's quite an exciting proposal, both for Scotland and I think international mountain biking as well. Yeah, that is that is pretty incredible because. I think, and I don't, I'm not super inside the the bike industry itself, but it seems like companies just kind of pick a place to go test randomly and to have a purpose built place that caters to that activity. Sounds like it'd be awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're we're still at the stages of of moving through this as well and and getting it built. We're looking at the the oldest mill that the the area where it's been built in, in the Tweed Valley and the Scottish borders is was kind of famous for its kind of textile industry for years. And then that that moved offshore um, and uh, moved away from the area here. But we actually got, there's a listed building because it's the oldest mill within the borders, um, has stayed, but it's been, you know, it's been derelict for, for a number of years, coming up 20 years, and, and that'll be repurposed into the centre. So it's like really kind of re-emerging as the new industry within the borders as bikes as well. And I, and I think... The ability for brands and companies, which I think they're excited by, to come into a place to then be able to have rapid prototyping facilities, workshop facilities, to then look at how their bike can perform and do or how to set their bike up. Be able to then take it. There's going we're looking at having a bike park associated to it as well, so with potentially a chairlift and things to be able to take that out and then have a trail lab which sends the data on how their new parts are performing back to the centre for the engineers to, to analyse as well, uh, back within that, either on the bike or within the person. And having all of that just really wrapped up in data and with the machines and be able to, to be able to understand the impact of it and then be able to communicate how much better it is through actual facts, not just this feels so nice. And feel, feels so nice and still, still has its place, I think, but actually be able to say this is this much better and be able to evidence it, I think it'll be really powerful for brands and, and good for mountain biking and good for mountain bikers as well, because we're going to get better kit. Yeah. And on that innovation side, we're at a point in time in life where you have additive manufacturing. I mean, look at the Athertons, you know, they're doing additive manufacturing and they can, they're building pretty much custom bikes. You know, you can order them based on what you need for a size more than any other company that's a manufacturer and not just a custom bike builder. So being able to, you know, lean on that as well. So you could actually test something, maybe build something again, test it again quickly instead of having to do a full carbon mold or something. Yeah. It's starting to take me slightly out of my comfort zone as well here. I'm, I kind of can, can talk about this, but not no the techie guy for sure. But I, I, I think as well, the other things that actually excite me about this as well, though, is the, 
is making things more sustainable as well and, and things where the, the idea of shipping things from the Far East into kind of, you know, Western Europe or the States. I think we should be looking at more things being reshored, things being built closer to home, things being built on a, on a much faster basis as well, not having wastage of, no, this, these products are not right, send them back and they get scrapped. We, we've got to look at things being better, smarter, making better use of our global resources than we have as well. So I think that reshoring thing as well is super exciting. I also think it's really exciting to look at remanufacturing of products as well. And the Innovation Centre is hoping by 2030 that any product that they help develop will actually be able to be reused and rebuilt in and remanufactured into the same use or, or, or by, by it being fixed or, or being manufactured into something else as a different part. So really looking at sustainability being embedded within the bike industry and how it works. One final topic I have for you is your recent events, which is you just held the Scottish Mountain Biking Conference leading the way. And I know you had at least one person from the United States there because we were talking about that before we hit record. How was that conference and kind of what are some of your takeaways from that conference and things that you took out of it, but then also things that maybe some people that had maybe talked to you, what they had took, taken out of it and what a conference like that does for your community. Yeah, it was, it was a fabulous conference, actually. Yeah, we had probably around about 250 unique individuals kind of access different parts of it. It, it. it ran with a media trip at the start of it. It had three days of kind of conference, first two being sort of speakers and workshops and indoor conference. The third day, people go on trails and there was a site visit to purpose-built trails being built in Aberdeenshire, the kind of Million Pound Trail Centre and another separate one to an Aberdeenshire Trails Association ran a dig. What I think that that conference does is it really does help us bring the whole community together. It helps us learn from other places. So we had Gary Vernon from Bentonville and Arkansas come over from the States and, and, and he kind of informed us of the amazing, the amazing things that they're doing there and, and the different trails that are going on there and the level of investment, but why that investment is working for Bentonville as well and using it to keep inspiring. That we've got to keep <laughs> keep those messages going and we've got to keep investing in these things. We've, we've got a lot of investment coming into Scottish mountain biking, but you know, we've got to keep this going, but it's a good investment. It, it, it's delivering. And Bentonville's an area that, that they're showing it's delivering. So we need to use that as an example with speakers coming in from Norway, seeing the same sort of messages of continual investment, but also continual returns coming back from mountain biking. And that as well, and our opportunity to share evidence, to discuss things, to workshop things we've got coming up. I'm painting a good picture of mountain biking in Scotland, but you know we still have issues. We still have things we have to work through. We still have um, debates between land use and land ownership and liability and how we manage things, how we bring the community together. But that opportunity to sit down to talk about it. Um, and then as well, to also celebrate things that are going well. We have the Scottish Mountain Bike Awards as part of it as well. And, and that opportunity to really share and share that success of what's going on just helps us to foster a sense of community and a sense of progress while still looking not to be all happy, clappy, everything's great, but also to look at how we address some of those things and uh, address the things we've got as our issues going forward as well. And in terms of what's coming out of that as a conference, for me, there's some really strong themes coming through from the conference as well. Um, one was kind of um, our accessibility into mountain biking. How do we get more beginners into the sport as well to make sure our trails can really have the ability to bring more people into it? And also as well, um, how do we bring people who have got a disability into sport as well? How can we build our trails in a way that um, adapted bikes can use and really we can make mountain biking a really a sport for everyone? Um, that came through as it. Well, else we want to make it a sport for everyone, 
we also want to make sure that it actually has something for everyone within it as well. So it's not just one type of trail we need. It's not just beginner trails. We need to have the places for all our different levels of mountain biking and all our different niches within it as well. There's a lot of gravel discussions as well. There's a lot of discussion around you know, falling trails and things as well. How do we have all of those things kind of really in our mix? We have that variety within Scottish mountain biking as well. And another thing that was really strong coming through was community as well. Like to achieve all of that, really strong that we actually bring the whole community together um, and, and we work through that. And, and that's something certainly we, we, we believe in and, and hope to try and foster and, and bring together um, as well. So those were some of the, the, the really strong themes that I think were coming through from the conference. Yeah. And it was funny because Gary likes to get pictures posted or post pictures of himself jumping all the time. Right. And so he was able to test out, I think, one of your first flow trails, potentially jump lines in there. Yeah, I think I think Gary, I think Gary put it as one of our first flow trails. I mean, I, I would I would I would back Scottish uh, mountain bike trail builders to say that they were building flow trails before they were even called flow trails, to be honest. And um, I think a lot of people who built flow trails took their inspiration from just Guys, folks, just calling them trails here, but yeah, I think I think we we probably had a period where we haven't built that that extensive a network and things as well. And I think people who have been building extensive networks have taken some of the stuff that was happening at Seven Stains and taken other areas and and really used that model, but extended it up a bit and grown it up a bit. It's gone wider, it's gone fatter, it's gone longer, it's got a bit lippier through its trail network as well, and. Um, and I think we've got a couple of big strategic projects we're developing now as well. One at Tarland, which is the one Gary was flying off of. And he's good at jumping. If I was good at that, good at jumping, I'd be doing a lot more of it as well. Um, and another one at Glentress as well, which is going to be in the Tweed Valley, which is going to be used as part of the World Champs XC course next year as well. And it's really nice to, to see it's just getting built at the moment, but to see the shapes that are coming and forming on that and that wider, flowier, lippier trails where people are going to be getting air when they want it and but they can keep their wheels on the ground if they don't it's, it's really nice to see us getting back to progressive trails again yeah and your award show i mean this is only a this is only an audio podcast but you know some of the pictures i've seen from your awards it was like a legit award show like you'd see in like hollywood but it was about mountain biking <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm not sure it was uh it was probably a Bit, bit more drunk than Hollywood. Um, well, I mean, it is. It's, it is mountain yeah. biking in Scotland, right? So it is mountain biking in Scotland. No, it, it was really good fun. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we've been running it now since uh, twenty sixteen, uh, with, with a couple of couple of COVID year gaps. But it, it is, it's just great. You know, it's, it is, it's, it's brilliant to really celebrate the range of things that are happening in Scottish mountain biking, from our amazing trails associations to trail projects to you know some of the inspiring winners and kind of. Getting in more females on bikes, kind of volunteering, some of our local heroes, right, right through to our athletes who are, you know, achieving the world stage as well. Ella Connolly, Charlie Aldridge won this year as well. And, it, and it's, it's great to be able to pull all of these bits because mountain biking is all of these bits. And, and if you take one of those bits out and you isolate it, I, I think it isn't as strong as if we, if we look at it as a whole together. And, uh, and yeah, it's quite a lot to look at, but it, the more that you can consider it as a whole thing, and get all the bits feeding and arguing for each other, then I think that's a, a better reason to have success. And, and that means as well that our success can reference each other and, and that can lead to more support and investment as well. So yeah, all, all of these things link in and, and it's great to be able to celebrate them all in one evening um, over an IPA or two 
and uh, yeah, give out some nice awards and yeah, and give ourselves a pat on the back. But at the same time, look at what we need to do better in future times as well. For sure. We've talked a lot about Scotland. Let's talk about you quick before you wrap this one up. If you were going out for a ride, which you might be, what type of ride are you typically going to go look for or what kind of adventure, especially now that you have more options? Um, yeah, I, I guess that there's, there's, there's definitely mountain biking different things for me at different times for sure. Um, there's one is that there's, there's my family um, rides as well, which uh, I've really enjoyed over the last few years as well. My son in particular is really into mountain biking so it's been great to get him and seeing him develop up from green blue trails to red and now to me struggling to keep up with them um as well like it has definitely been that joy of that family journey as well and and um also help within the local mountain bike club as well kind of crank cycling club and it's i, I love going out on, on the weekend with them and again sharing more mountain biking with others and getting more people into it as well and then personally as well i do like kind of and get up and, and ride in the variety of trails that we have in the Tweed Valley, uh, right across it, and from exploring and bog trotting with friends and trying to discover if there's a line in the map that goes somewhere to to you know some of the enduro trails. None of the two hard ones. I'm still a bit of a wuss, but um, um, yeah, and 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 the range of trails that are there. So yeah, that, that's what I enjoy. Well, before we close this out, do you have anything, any people you'd like to thank, any closing comments, some wisdom from Graham McLean? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably too many people in some ways to thank for, for what's going on in Scottish Mountain Waking to name them all. I mean, I definitely like to thank that. I mean, I'm, I'm in a privileged position now where we've, you know, gone from myself and a, a part-time administrator to now eight members of our team who are supporting Scottish Mountain Waking and, and really couldn't do nearly anything of the level of support that we have them without, without the development of Scotland team. They're, they're, they're all fantastic, passionate people. It's, some of our challenge of managing them is actually to to try to stop them working so hard in some ways and take holidays and things as well. They're all super passionate, amazing people and thank them. And also, I guess as well, is thank the number of agencies and Scottish government that are involved in it as well. Like it's it's fairly unique, I think, in the world to have such an interest from cabinet ministers right through to our national forest estate, um, our enterprise agencies, um, our tourism bodies. Um, and our cycling organisations all working together to really to push mountain biking on. It, it's, it's amazing to see that, um, and they're all a fantastic support for it. And, and lastly, as well, just probably thanks to the the mountain bike community and everybody who volunteers their time to go out and you know dig trails, work with trails associations, to volunteer to clubs, put on events, and, and do all those things as well. We're we're sort of our main role here is to try and facilitate what they do. And to get things, and you know, if there's gaps, we'll plug them. But try and make sure that they do. And and they really, and I, it's amazing to see the the community response we have in Scotland as well. And and that's going to be a that's what makes mountain biking special. Um, I think as well as that community. So, yeah, thanks to all of them. Yeah, well, Graham, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know we had some scheduling hiccups, and it's we're also in a significantly different time zone. You know, so I really, really appreciate you being able to make some time in your schedule with everything you have going on, especially seeing all the stuff that you've had going on just in the last week or two. Yeah, no, 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 no problem at all, Josh. It's, it's great to speak to you as well. And, and hopefully um, my waffling makes some sort of coherent sense um, through the podcast and people have enjoyed it as well. And yeah, I hopefully uh, catch you when you come over to Scotland soon. Yeah, now it's, it's funny because the only negative comment I ever get about this podcast is that people now have their length, their length of the list of where they have to go travel to now keeps getting longer. So yeah, 
Well, well, they don't need to. They don't need to make it too much longer as well. They just need to put Scotland at the top of it, Josh, as well. Just just put Scotland at the top, and then the rest of them can just be like, if I have time, um, for it as well. But yeah, no. Ho- hopefully, listeners get it, can 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 hear this, and, and can come visit us. It's uh, it's a nice place, Scotland. It's um, yeah. You, you got to bring your jacket, but it doesn't rain all the time, and um, it's got some amazing trails, great culture, great heritage, whiskey, craft beers. Yeah, you, you'll like it. Do you have ciders? We do, yeah. Um, yeah, we've got a number of different ciders coming on. It's it's not traditionally a Scottish drink, but we do have a, kind of a few Scottish providers doing, doing their own ciders and kind of interesting bits as well. But yeah. We had to hit record again. I got one more thing that I have written down here that I just saw, and that is Developing Mountain Biking in Scotland has a podcast. Yeah, no, no, no. We've 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 done a, a few podcasts now. Um, I'm really keen to do more as well. So uh, I think we're on. Yeah, we're on all the different podcast channels as well. If you just just search for developing mountain biking in Scotland, um, have a look at that. Have a look at our website as well. Um, I definitely recommend if they're into trails and trail building. Um, is uh, our podcast we did with Dick Hamilton, um, who built the trails at Glentrest to start with. That, that's a, it's a really good podcast. It'll definitely test your level of understanding of Scottish accents as well. So it'd be good preparation for visiting Scotland as well um, to, 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 to listen to that at least two or three times. Um, and then there's a range of other podcasts on there that are, that are really good um, and good, good fun to listen to as well and, and tell good stories. And we'll definitely be adding more stories into the future as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you, Josh. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode will be part one of a four-part series featuring West Virginia University and their mission of advancing West Virginia through outdoor recreation via the Brad and Elise Smith Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect podcast. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www evotrails.com. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>